0: High. It's a deep. It's...
1: playing a little bit of catch up I had uh, two guys dealing with uh the flu flu like symptoms I, we don't know if it's the flu we don't know what's going on here but Peter was able to get out of bed arm still bedridden like a sheep but Peter thank you for getting up it's 10 15 Pacific and you're out of bed how do you feel about that
2: yeah I mean I don't deserve a parade or anything like I don't I, I do deserve do. yeah i mean i deserve like this is big to sit in front of a microphone and talk about baseball while you're not feeling 100 percent. like yeah it's it's impressive do i deserve like a round of applause i don't think so but do i deserve a pat on the back definitely um do i deserve some compliments yes yeah not a parade though i'm here to work
1: i i get it do you deserve four years 90 million or nine years 360 million Probably the latter, or at least close to it. Yeah. Um, Um, So we got to talk Xander. We got to talk Yoshida. We got to talk Brandon Nimmo and David Robertson. We have to talk Victor Reyes going to the White Sox on a minor league deal. We also have a conversation with Taylor Davis coming up about half an hour into the pod for the back half hour. Um, But before we do any of that,
2: I got to eat shit on, on my judge thing, don't I? yeah um, I think it's it's less about Aaron Judge the player and less about Aaron Judge the contract, and I think it's more about you, yeah, because I think it's it's two things. you either want me to be upset, and I think that's the the biggest thing, or you have a genuine dislike for the Yankees. And I came to you, Mr. Jack McMullen, and I said. If he hasn't signed yet, Arson Judge hadn't signed yet with the Giants, and they signed Mitch Haniger, wouldn't you agree it's 50-50? I wasn't being a homer. That was genuinely the perception of what I had read through multiple sources. And I came to you with that information as one of my best friends in the world. And you know what you said to me? I'm a homer, I'm an idiot. That maybe I shouldn't be on the Just Baseball show because it's 95-5. I don't think you truly believed that. I think no. you wanted to see me upset or you have a genuine hatred for the Yankees or both. And I, I want to unpack that part of your brain. Okay, because so, there's no way that the good journalist that you are yeah. believed what you were saying out of those out of that mouth yeah, so usually, I don't get
1: paid to have a therapy session. Usually, I pay to have a therapy session. yeah, but this is
2: this isn't a free agent episode. This is just are you okay?
1: this is this is what's what's fucked up about the hardwiring in your brain that made you say that that that's the question that you're asking me right now. It's right
2: way deeper than 95.5.
1: yeah, absolutely. Uh, also, pretty loaded word that I'm about to drop right now, but I do feel like there was a little bit of gaslighting here. I don't think that I ever called you an idiot. I don't think that I ever said you don't need to be on the Just Baseball show. I'm reading it between the lines.
2: (laughs) I'm reading it between the lines. Yes, it's what you thought. Like, I think on the same podcast, you were ripping arm. You're like arm. You don't even know anything about prospects. Um, I think it was a full blown attack. Yeah, god and, and I it.
1: then proceeded to tell you that I'm I'm six 6'6 and carved like a Grecian god and you just don't know because we're online friends. Finally, you're admitting it. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> Honestly, fair. Um, No, so straight up, actual true thing that happened. I said I thought that it was 95.5, that Aaron Judge was going to be a giant after the Heyman thing went down. And the reason I say that is because Heyman is the typo guy. He's not the too quick to jump the gun guy. Um, I think we see a lot of vague terms thrown around by some other newsbreakers. And I don't envy the job that newsbreakers have at all. The The people you trust 100% of the time are Jeff Passan and Ken Rosenthal. Those are the two gold standard. It's like Adrian Woznarowski and Sham Sharania in the NBA. It's like Adam Schefter in the NFL. Like they get everything Right um there are a lot of other pieces that get the overwhelming majority of their reports right Heyman, i thought was actually closer to the passing and and ken than some of the others and i do still think he is i think Heyman does a great job i think he's funny i like listening to when he talks i like reading when he writes um i thought that he was connected enough to know that it was going to be a sure thing. And I thought that he was going to be able to go through that internal vetting process before tweeting that out, because you know, it's going to catch fire. So even if it wasn't across the finish line, I thought like their big toe was about to cross. You know what I mean? I, I thought it was done. Like we're just waiting on official word, but This is very Dewey defeats Truman. This is very Al Gore, George Bush um, on a much uh, less impactful scale for the greater scheme of society. Um, But yeah, I I will absolutely eat that one. I thought it was sure thing. If Heyman's saying it, it's going to happen. And then all of a sudden it didn't happen. I also saw a report today from a couple of outlets, and and I can't attribute it to an individual because I think I saw... Uh, one of the Bleacher Report accounts, pick it up. And and apparently Aaron Judge was citing um, his desire to have uh, his legacy cemented over like largest contract value. So that tells me a lot. That tells me that if he was going into free agent conversations saying my legacy to me is more important than the money, he was going to be a Yankee.
2: That's why I came into the conversation with you saying that because when arson judge got announced and even he fixed the typos and said, Aaron judge appears headed to the giants. I thought there was real validity to that to your point, like Heyman broke the Bogart deal, which we're going to talk about in a minute. Heyman breaks deals. There are typos here and there. understandable. It makes it funny and it makes it easy to jump on the guy. But at the end of the day, he has over 800,000 followers on Twitter for a reason. He is one of the best insiders in the sport. So when I came to you and we were talking, I said, if that was the case, wouldn't it have been announced 45 minutes later? Maybe he jumped the gun. Maybe it wasn't written yet, but we were still waiting. And I also, there was a point to it, too, with a report that came out that said that the Yankees might not have a chance to counter the offer. And I thought, that's bullshit. No way the Yankees won't have an opportunity to at least match an offer from a Giants or a Padres. And I was listening to the Michael K show and he broke it down and it was kind of very similar because he said, Hal really pulled a George Steinbrenner. And um, Bernie Williams back in 1998, um, the Yankees offered him an extension. So he already had two World Series championships with the Yankees, but he had about 80-ish million dollars on the table from the Red Sox. And George called him And said, do you want to be a Yankee? And Bernie said, yes. And then George said, I'll match the offer if you want to be a Yankee. And what did Bernie Williams do? He came back. So I thought, if there's a nine-year, $360 million deal for Aaron Judge to the Giants, he'll at least give them the ability to match it if he truly wants to be a Yankee. He wore the sweatshirt, New York or nowhere. There was also a really funny story um, that Michael Kay told after the fact about his son, Charlie Kay, because Charlie told Michael, dad, if Aaron Judge leaves the Yankees, I'm out. I'm not going to be a Yankee fan anymore. And I thought to myself, that is that's I bet how some young Yankee fans felt, because Aaron Judge in this day and age is the Derek Cheater. He might be named captain for the first time since Derek Cheater. And Michael Kay told Aaron Judge that story in around June, July. And what did Aaron judge say? Tell Charlie not to worry. So I thought to myself, there is no way it's possible that he could go to the giants. I wasn't, that's why I was like, it could be 50, 50, but for them not to be able to replicate the deal, that doesn't make any sense. So it was up in the air Giants signing Mitch Haniger, I thought was pretty telling, even though Rosenthal came out and said they're, they still want, but I was like, they already have jock. They have Mike and skin center. I still think, and so now it's all on you, Jack. It is all on me. Um,
1: <laughs> we've got a lot more to get to because we we've already kind of talked about Judge, but yeah. to to tie a bow on it, um, this guy, I never want to hear anything negative about Aaron Judge from a Yankee fan ever again. And no, and that's you don't not, hear
2: anything negative from me.
1: No, that's that's not. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking. I don't want to log on to the Twitter sphere and see. Fuck this contract. Fuck judge in three
2: years because you're you're talking to George from Staten Island.
1: Sure. Like, yeah, George, listen up, sweetheart. <laughs> I don't want to hear it. Okay. You got your guy. You got the captain of the Yankees. You got the best season in American league history. In my opinion, what Aaron judge has done for the Yankees has earned him every single penny of this deal. Absolutely. Now I don't care if he struggles for a year i don't care if injuries hamper him for a year or two um in you know when like this deal is up in 2032 then we can look back and say was it worth it and the answer is going to be probably not the only 300 million dollar deals that have panned out so far are bryce harper you could argue that manny machado is well on his way and that's it so you gotta know that you are playing a very high-risk, high-reward, but the high-reward is not likely game right yep. now. So just acknowledge that you gave Aaron Judge 360 for what he has done. Xander Bogart's got 280 for what he has done. An 11-year deal from San Diego. Trey Turner turned down over $340 million from the San Diego Padres. Aaron judge turned down $400 million from the San Diego Padres. I've got no idea where this money's coming from. Like zero clue where the money's coming from. I know that Lerner is a guy that wants to spend, but I mean, really this much 11 years for $280 million for Xander Bogarts. Couple things that we got to unpack here. Xander, I think cut and dry. Good for him. The dude got paid $80 million
2: more than I think either of us were expecting, right? Yeah, that that was the um, – I said on Twitter, and I even posted a TikTok where I just put a sound o- over it, and for all those watching on YouTube, this was my face. Yeah. Mouth wide open, drooling on myself because I couldn't fathom the amount of money that he got. And it wasn't my preconceived notion of Xander Bogarts or what I thought he should get in the open market. It was all reports that we were hearing. 200 million was a number that people were talking about at the winter meetings. And I even thought to myself, wow, I get it because the bat is crazy. And he, I mean, 200 million over seven years in this market, I could see it, but that's still a lot of money. And he comes out with 11 years. 280 million dollars and he is going to be 30 years old you're paying for 30 to 41 for a guy who already has defensive concerns but what they're paying for is one of the most consistent bats in baseball since 2018 133 wrc plus 141 129 130 134 The reason I bring up WRC plus is park adjusted. So a park adjusted stat, you can't just point to, oh, well, he played in Fenway and he had the green monster. I've called him a monster merchant more as a joke and a troll to Red Sox fans. But in reality, you cannot debate the fact that Xander Bogarts has put up two seasons since 2019 with a war near six. This is one of the more elite players in Major League Baseball on the offensive side. Since 2019, he had 309, then 300, then 295 in 2021, then 307 last year with a minuscule strikeout rate. The San Diego Padres are getting one of the more consistent bats in baseball. Like a guy like Dansby, great year last year. But in a contract year, we'll see what he does again. Carlos Correa has not had this type of consistency similar to Bogarts. Now he's younger, so he just maybe hasn't had the opportunity to do so, but he's a guy who's been injured a bunch. Xander Bogarts, he doesn't get injured. Like, if you look, he's missed a handful of games over his entire career. This guy plays 150 games every year, hits 300, and you know what you're going to get. That's what the Padres are paying for. Now, is it a lot of years? Yeah, it's a ton of years. But the contract, the more I think about it, the more I don't think that it is some insane overpay, because what you're paying for is consistency. You don't think that Bogarts is just going to drop off the face of the planet defensively? He might, but they aren't relying on him to play shortstop. They have two of them already.
1: No, he can DH
2: for the back half of this year or of this deal, and he's he going to rake. Like you're paying twenty five million per for a dude who's going to rake. Yeah. Now is he going to rake from age thirty eight to forty one? No, probably not. probably not. But what will twenty five million dollars look like in twenty thirty two? Ten dollars. That's probably going to be what Nick Ahmed is still making. Yeah,
1: naturally. Naturally, um, do want to correct something I said. Lerner, uh, as the owner of the Padres, Sidler. Lerner is the owner of the Nats. Seidler, Peter Seidler, is the owner of the of the Padres. So you got Soto on the brain. Yeah, sorry, hundred million dollar contract. <laughs> sorry about that. Did want to double back and and correct that, but. Yeah, I mean, couple things to unpack, and I think you did a really good job unpacking this. For Bogarts, good, he got paid. For the Red Sox, that sucks that you let your guy go. You were never going to match that contract, but based on what we've been able to read over the last couple of days, it does seem like Boston had every chance to tie him up, and they did not do it. We've had that conversation constantly over the season and at the beginning of the offseason, but this is a major knock on bloom it's a major doc on henry and it's a major problem for the boston red sox because rafi devers just watched all of this unfold and the chances are he's gonna say f you guys i'm getting out as soon as i possibly can i really believe that is the case now because not only has he seen mookie betts walk but he's also seen zander bogart's walk and and mookie was traded but for Pennies on the dollar of what Mookie Betts was was truly worth. It was Verdugo, Jeter Downs, and Connor Wong. And Verdugo, good player, won't ever amount to Mookie Betts. Jeter Downs, we'll see, won't ever amount to. Yeah, like Downs and Wong, like. We'll see what they turn into, but that trio will never sniff a quarter of the production that Mookie Betts is going to give the L.A. Dodgers over the next six years. So that's a major problem for the Red Sox. Um, The second major problem now is Xander Bogarts leaving. And I don't need to spend any more time on this. The Red Sox really fucked up. We'll talk about Masataki Yoshida in a moment. For the Padres, I've never seen a team go more all-in. Like I, you could, you could say that the Dodgers go all in like this. You could say that the Mets are going all in like this, but the Mets had a bedrock to build on. Think about that. And the Dodgers had a bedrock to build on, you know, we're talking about Mookie Betts, who was acquired via trade. Freddie Freeman was a high ticket free agent, but so many more of these guys are homegrown talents. Urias is a homegrown talent. Bueller when healthy is a homegrown talent. Kershaw been around for a long time, but is a homegrown talent, you know, The the success that you will see from the L.A. Dodgers, a lot of it's homegrown or acquired via trade, not big-ticket free agent. Freeman is the exception. With the Mets, Scherzer and Verlander are big-ticket free agents. Brandon Nimmo, yes, re-signed, but is a homegrown talent. Pete Alonso McNeil, homegrown talent. Francisco Lindor, he was a trade and an extension. So the Padres are, are building in a way that is unique because they have handed out now a $300 million free agent deal to Manny Machado, a $280 million free agent deal to Xander Bogarts. They have handed out a $340 million extension to Fernando Tatis Jr. They have traded their entire farm for Juan Soto. They've traded two top 10 prospects in the organization for Josh Hader and they have signed Joe Musgrove to an $100 million extension who they traded for. So you're looking at a team that has acquired, has grown Tatis. And I think that's it in terms of the contributors.
2: Did they, was Robert Suarez homegrown? No, he wasn't. But he's a setup guy. Yeah. No, I mean, y- you got to love it though if you're a Padres fan. Yeah, what no, AJ I mean, you're going he is pushing the chips all into the middle and saying, We were, we went to the NLCS. We are not a team that got here by luck. We are a perennial favorite. And he believed that we are still a piece away. And they had money to spend and they locked in on who they probably thought they were paying for consistent hitting. You know, they were looking at Aaron Judge, consistent hitting. They were looking at Trey Turner, consistent hitting. And who'd they get? Xander Bogart's consistent hitting. They didn't go after Dansby. Um, They didn't go after Cray. And that's not saying that Cray isn't consistent, but he has, you know, he averages about 120 games a year. And I think the first thing that you think about when you think about Carlos Cray is glove. They are going after the consistent bat. They probably had these three guys circled and said, one of them is going to get paid by us. And we might have to overpay, but that's the name of the game here. That's how we add. And it's worth it for us to prolong the contract because like if, you know, I'm sure they would have rather done 11 for 280 rather than seven for 280 or seven for 260 or something like that. Um, If we're looking at tax thresholds, because they're certainly going to be near one. So overall, it's an incredibly shocking deal But the more you look at it and the more you look at this market now, the collective bargaining agreement signed owners are much more confident that the market is going to be more robust with new TV contracts and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. We're just in a new market. And we have to understand that, you know, as a regular person like you and I, and all of the tens of thousands of people who listen to the just baseball show, it's hard to conceptualize that a player could get this much money, but we're in a market now that doesn't make any sense. Like no, it's it makes sense, but it doesn't to you and I and ever, all of those listening. First of all, thank you for listening. Yeah, I love you. Appreciate it. No, it's
1: NBA money, right? And and NBA money, like who is a max guy? And, and there are guys that um, are going to get paid like max guys that aren't max guys, but not even that. Look at the mid-level. Look at- Yeah, look um, at Tom what, Walker. What, yeah, I mean, look at- A Taiwan Walker. How about a Masataka Yoshida who's coming over 28 years old, have no idea what he's going to do. Seiya Suzuki, 5 for 85 last year from the Cubs. Yoshida, 5 for 90 from the Boston Red Sox. Um, So the numbers are inflated. There's a lot of stuff out there. Kylie McDaniel apparently talked to 10 sources that said they – the Red Sox might have paid double than what Yoshida is deemed worth. But – In this market, I don't know if this is an overpay, and I don't want anybody coming to me and saying this was a massive overpay before he swings a bat in a major league game. I cannot hear it because there's a chance that he is worth $90 million. There's a large chance that he's not, but how many people on this planet are worth 90 million dollars that play a sport. Yoshida again this year is a 28-year-old in Nippon Professional Baseball, which is the second best professional baseball league in the world, only behind major league baseball in yeah, 121 wait, 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 games. But, yeah.
2: Before bef- sorry, before you continue, like let's put this into perspective. Like the NPB is better than AAA. Yes. Like it is it's as close to major league baseball as possible. That's why. Me and many included were so incredibly excited about Seiya Suzuki. He was a little bit banged up. He played 111 games, but he hit around 260, OBP around 340, slugging around 450-ish. Had a yeah. two-war, 116 WRC+. Plus. Colby and I were debating whether he is going to put up that type of season. Aram is convinced that the bat will translate more, but Seya is younger, a better athlete, a much better defender and probably an overall better baseball player, but Aram is confident that the bat will translate quicker. Here is why: um, what the video will tell you is
1: that he has got a very short swing, very nice. compact, quick to the baseball, and he's got sneaky juice. What the numbers tell you: in one hundred and twenty-one games last year, he hit three thirty-six with a four fifty OBP, a five sixty slug, which is an OPS over a thousand. 28 doubles, 21 homers, 89 driven in. He walked 82 times in just over 500 plate appearances, and he struck out just 42 times in 515 plate appearances. 42 times in 121 games that he strike out. The bat-to-ball is beyond elite, and if he's got 15 homer power, which he might very well have in Fenway, there's a chance... That this guy can live up to that billing of five years, 90 million dollars. And I don't think it's fair to anybody to try and knock him
2: for something that he hasn't had the opportunity to prove. So here's my thing. Saya in 2021 in the MPB, younger, twenty-seven years old, hit three seventeen, four thirty-three, six thirty-six with an equal walk rate to strikeout rate, both at 16%, with 1,069 OPS. So the offensive numbers are not that far apart. Yoshida is older, clearly a worse defender, and I'm sure if you put Seah back in the MPB again, he might have had a better season than that. That's why I can understand why people are saying this is an overpay, because you're getting an older, worse defender, and you're hoping the bat translates more, which it could. I'm not saying that it won't, but let's also not pretend that we saw Seah put up a two war, 116 WRC plus with similar or better numbers as a younger player in the MPB. Yeah, I don't think we should expect him to come over and outdo like at the same time as what you're saying is we can't call it an overpay. I don't think we also can just expect him to be better than Seiya in his first year translating into Major League Baseball. Like, I think he'll be a 110 WRC plus guy if he stays healthy, because that's also the thing. Hasn't stayed fully healthy in the MPB. You said in 121 games. This has been a thing for him. He has not been fully healthy. So, my
1: final thought on Yoshida is like the boring one. It's, It's the very boring take. Like, I don't I don't feel comfortable making any bold claim about Yoshida until
2: I see him play a month in Major League Baseball. I don't. I think I think that's totally fine, but have to do it both ways. Like we can't say this isn't an overpay, but also we aren't sure if he's going to translate. So like, like where, let's do both. Yeah. So and and the thing is, a lot of people are going to play that game. Lots
1: and lots of people are going to play the game. Um, what's he going to do? before we get a month in, which is the game that I'm choosing to play. Um, but we're going to have a conversation about two months about AL Rookie of the Year favorites. Seiya Suzuki was co-favorites with O'Neal Cruz for National League Rookie of the Year coming into the year. Where's Yoshida
2: going to land on that? Probably high. You think He's... at the top, like Suzuki? I don't think at the top. Yeah. And yeah. I think the odds will reflect that. Yeah, it's um, a game you got to play. That's what people are saying. Like, he got paid more than Seah as an older player with less tools. Yeah. That's why people are saying it's an overpaid. That's why I can understand where they're coming from. But to your point, how can you say that before we've seen him play baseball yet? Make the claim once we're in June. Right. And he has a 92 WRC plus, which is entirely possible. But at the same time, what if he's a 130 WRC plus guy taking the league by storm? Correct. Could very well happen. Correct. We'll just have to wait and see. But the Red Sox are the Red Sox. They have plenty of money. John Henry has an enormous yacht. He owns a soccer team or at least did. I don't know where the where he's at he's on that process one. of trying not but, to own it anymore exactly. They can afford to make this mistake. So if I'm a Red Sox fan sitting here today, I am excited for what I'm going to see. I don't have the biggest expectations, but I'm also not. Bringing a pitchfork and a lit torch to Heim Bloom's house and saying, What are we doing here? Yeah, that's where I'm at on this. Could be good, could not be. Is it worth 90 million to find out? Maybe I don't know. We'll see. Uh, last team that I want to go over before we talk to
1: Taylor Davis here is the Mets because last night they retained Brandon Nimmo eight years, 162 million dollars, which is a lot of money, but. Nimmo in this market was absolutely going to get that, and it's good to see Brandon Nimmo back in a a Mets uniform because what was plan B? Benintendi? Conforto? like Nimmo is just the overwhelmingly better option, and now we know that Brandon Nimmo is going to be the center fielder for the New York Mets moving forward. They also inked David Robertson to one-year $10 million to be the setup guy to Edwin Diaz. Let's start with Robertson because that's the smaller one. My only takeaway comes from what our guy managing editor, Ryan Finkelstein, was saying on a Twitter space last night, along with a couple of his locked-on Mets folk. Um, They needed that other, like that second closer. The setup guy to Diaz, the true eighth inning guy, but, you know, not every ninth inning has to go to Edwin Diaz now. Like, you don't need to run him out for three consecutive nights In the ninth inning, because you know that David Robertson has closer
2: experience, this makes Edwin Diaz's job easier. That's why I love the deal for the Mets. I mean, I like it. I don't love it. They're losing Ottavino. It's not like you're adding Robertson to a bullpen with Ottavino. Also, yeah, but Robertson they might do. We know Ottavino can close. Do we know that Robertson still at this age can definitely close? We learned that this past year, yeah. Yeah, like yeah, but then you know it's another year removed and it's a reliever. Like, would you be surprised if David Robertson is a five ERA next year? No. No. But he got paid ten million dollars. That's I guess what the market is right now. Like Tommy Canely got two for eleven and a half to the Yankees. Who would you rather have?
1: I think Robertson, just because you know you know what he's done. Like Canley is so far removed from
2: a full season of pitching. Yeah. I'm just saying I like the deal because it makes the Mets better. And Steve Cohen is going to pay. You know what? I, I saw this tweet, which I, I want to read to you right now, um, because if you're a Mets fan, honestly, I wouldn't give a shit about this. Like I'll be perfectly honest with me. Like if I'm the Mets, Good. Or if I'm a Mets fan, good. Like Steve Cohen is spending money because he's worth $26 billion. But right now, this is for Michael Meyer, Mike Meyer 22 on Twitter. Right now, the Mets, Steve Cohen, are set to pay $60 million of luxury tax penalties for 2023. That's more than the team payroll for the following teams, Pirates, Orioles, and A's. So is in a vacuum looking at this deal objectively is $10 million for David Robertson. How old is David Robertson now?
1: Um, David Robertson is
2: 37 years old. 37-year-old reliever throwing 90-91. Is that worth it? I don't know. I'd say no. But at the end of the day, who cares, right? The Mets are operating under a different – like, for example, if the Orioles signed – David Robertson to to a $10 million deal. If another team did, I'd be like, "Eh, I don't know the Mets. It doesn't matter because $10 million is a rounding error. Does it make the Mets better? Yes. That's what I've, that's how I've learned to evaluate these Steve Cohen Mets deals. Are they better than they were yesterday? Yes. There you go. Sure.
1: We don't have to project the fit of Brandon Nimmo with the Mets because we already know what the fit of Brandon Nimmo with the Mets
2: is. And it's really good. And they needed a center fielder. And they got him. They got him. And Nimmo, if we're talking about a consistent bat here, the only thing that hasn't been consistent about Brandon Nimmo is the games played. 2018, he played 140. 2019, he played 69. He he was healthy the entire 2020 season. Then in 2021, he played 92. But then last year, he played 151 games. But he's a 134 WRC plus guy for his career. He walks a ton. He hustles. He's a fan favorite. You look at any of these like, um, Mets shows or fans on the street. They after DeGrom left, they asked, What is the number one priority for the Mets? Bring back Nimmo. They love Nimmo. And Nimmo is a Met. He hustles, he adds a layer to their lineup that they need. He gets on base. He's athletic. He makes big plays in the outfield. I was in the stadium when he robbed that home run. He is a fantastic player. The pride of the pride Cheyenne. of Wyoming, Cheyenne. And I'm glad that they re-signed him. Yeah. Is it a lot of money? Of course it is. But at the end of the day, so was Edwin Diaz. Does it matter? Not really. That was probably the market. They didn't offer him eight years, 162 million, when everybody else was at five for 100. There was clearly other offers on the table. And they he's got gonna their turn, guy. He's going to turn 30 uh, right
1: before opening day. Nobody cares. Like that, That's the thing. If you're paying a 41-year-old Xander Bogarts, if you're paying a 41-year-old Trey Turner, then you're willing to pay a 38-year-old Brandon Nimmo, and you have just confirmed that Nimmo is going to spend the entirety of his career with the New York Mets. He was drafted the awesome. 11th. Yeah, he was drafted 13th overall in 2011 at a high school in Wyoming by the New York Mets. 2011 is when he entered the Mets organization. Now he's not getting out till 2030. Think about that. That's awesome. a long time to be with one organization and that is excellent for Brandon Nimmo.
2: It's excellent for the New York Mets. They've got their guy. Yeah. Um like it, think about it like this. He basically got a 7-year deal for 150 million and Steve Cohen probably gave him 8 for 162 as like you've been our guy. Think about it like that he gave him a little $12 million bonus in a year saying you've been a dog for us. We love you. You're fully healthy last year. All. If you just stay on the field, you're going to be one of the best center fielders in the game. We yep. need a center fielder come home. And he said, yes, I like it. Damn right. Um, We will end. We'll send you into the weekend
1: with the Taylor Davis conversation, but first quick shout out to Pat Hughes, who I grew up listening to who was um, selected as the Ford Frick Award winner, which is the uh, the broadcaster's wing of the Hall of Fame, won the Frick Award, the radio voice of the Cubs, for the last however many years. Um, the dude was the soundtrack to baseball. Growing up, um, I called baseball on the radio, it's very fun to listen to Pat Hughes and know that that is the gold standard. If you sound like Pat Hughes, chances are you're really fucking good. And Pat Hughes has been really fucking good for a really long time. So very happy to see him get his rightful spot in Cooperstown. You ever listen to Pat Hughes? I've not, but frick yeah. Frick Pat yeah. Hughes, Damn right. Frick the yeah. Ford Frick Award. Frick yeah. So frick yeah. Uh, plug the merch now, and then we'll end with
2: Taylor Davis. Well, you're wearing the merch. Um, Definitely go get yours. Uh, The link is in the episode description. It is the best way to support this podcast. Get yourself a just baseball hat, a sweatshirt. It is still cold outside. You don't have enough sweatshirts in your closet. Be honest with yourself. Do you have enough athletic long sleeve tees in your closet? No, I would venture to say that you don't go get one. Just baseball merch. It's in the episode description, or you can search it on Google. You search just baseball merch. You'll see our Shopify um, and get yourself yours. Um, Follow us on our social channels. Our Twitter is coming back, believe it or not. Um, we'll have more information on that next week. And here is Taylor Davis. We can officially call you a correspondent. Taylor
1: Davis, this is awesome. Second time we're here to talk baseball. Uh, at the uh what, at the end of the winter meetings. The winter meetings are are concluding right now. But Taylor, really appreciate you taking the time. We're gonna get to uh what you're gonna be doing for just baseball at the end but first and foremost like overarching umbrella statement about free agency you have anything drastic to say about the the kind of money that's flying around right now
0: uh you know I think it's I think it's just indicative of how talented baseball is right now a little bit I really do think that um baseball is as talented as we've seen in a while and you've seen back-to-back free agent classes that are just unbelievable and I think that if if we didn't have a lockout last year, I think that it may, this might not be as surprising. Um, I think that all this happening December, what it, you know, what is this, December fifth, December sixth, is so crazy to everybody, um, because last year we didn't have this. Last year we had nothing. So, uh, but you know, obviously some really cool signings. You know, the Aaron Judge signing is huge. It's big for baseball. Um, I think it's great for baseball that he's staying in New York. I really do. Um, I think that. Uh, and then obviously for players, it's a, it's a great deal. The relief pitching market is just absolutely insane. And it's <laughs> awesome.
3: That's what we were. We were kind of talking about that a little bit over the last couple episodes. And I even mentioned it with, with Xavier Scruggs. It's just, it's cool seeing those, those middle, like the middle class that they were saying is, is disappeared in some ways in major league baseball, uh, it seems like it's coming back. We saw a lot of Ms. Diaz get a two-year deal worth like $14, $15 million, yeah. which, which floored all of us. But again, you look at the market, like it kind of makes sense. But I would agree. Jack, would you would you echo that, that like the four- to five-year reliever deals have to be the biggest surprise for me? Like I, I think that's got to be the biggest shocker so yeah. far with this market.
1: I think so. I also think, you know, longevity, and, and we talked about it us too. We also talked about it with Xavier Scruggs about, you know, Trey Turner getting paid through his age 40 season. And that's something that, you know, I, I know a lot of players crave, right? So you've got these deals, you're securing generational wealth. When you talk to other guys, Taylor, and I mean we're getting the the active baseball player perspective here. How important is longevity in a contract? How important is creating that opportunity to get paid as opposed to the Cody Bellinger deal. And we can actually talk about that Bellinger deal because I find it fascinating, but what's the argument to be made against the Bellinger deal where, you know, go get your years, go get your cash and deal with it at the end of the contract.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think, I think there's a, a little bit of, um, you know, when it comes to somebody, Trey Turner, somebody young, somebody like, you know, Aaron judge who even at 30 is relatively young coming into free agency. Um, at that point, um, there's no reason, I guess necessarily, to try to bet on yourself for another 20 million. Take the 300. Um, you know, take the, the really big deal. Um, you know I, now here's what I will say too though, like some of those deals like the I, I kind of wonder like the 11 year deal that Trey Turner gets. like do you think that in reality, the Phillies really probably would have been okay doing that nine year 300 million dollar deal, but the luxury tax hit on the nine million 300 nine year 300 million dollar deal changes everything now you add two more years to that like i always kind of wonder that like even like the, the, the you know all these monster the tatis and the um and then the bryce harper like yes you're paying extremely talented players for a really long time but there's you know those 13 14 year deals how many have we seen ever yeah. um it's kind of wild and i kind of wonder if some of that is like yeah let's get these guys their money um but we also need to affect this as well you know like I just hope that, uh, that it plays out through the end. Like the good thing is for players, I think the right guys have gotten these deals. I think the guys that have gotten these deals are the guys that are going to have the ability mm-hmm. to truly uh, maximize those deals and, and, and make a name for guys to continue getting those deals. So um, I, I definitely think that like the, the show me deals, the, the Bellinger, the uh, Rodon's uh, probably what Conforto is going to sign. Um I'll tell you what those are. To me, at least, those are exciting. Those are exciting for baseball fans because yeah, this guy's, this guy's getting, uh, this guy's getting $17 million, but like three years ago, you thought this guy was going to get $350 million. Right. Um, so like he is, he wants this as bad as the team wants it, wants him to do this. Um, it's kind of like my take on that.
3: Yeah. I, I love that he's, <clears throat> kind of highlighting how awesome it is to see these guys get money and the show me deals and all of those things. And uh th- there was one tweet that I saw on my feed today that just that kind of just run me the wrong way. Uh, it was Josh Reddick saying that oh. uh, th- this quote right here, I'll read it to you. I guess I should have tried to hit 200 and strike out 150 times a year. Probably could have made 20 million a year at this point. And he spelled it P R O L L Y. I hate when people do that with the word probably that drives me nuts. Um, Josh Reddick, I don't know anything about him. Could be a great guy. I know what he was as a baseball player. He was a pretty good one who, by the way, made $59 million yeah. in his career. Um, And, you know, only had, I think, one season of more than three F war. But the point is, isn't it exciting for you? Like to see like these guys, these younger guys get these big deals. Like the way you're talking about it, you sound very excited about it, which is awesome timing. Cause I saw that tweet today. It pissed me off. And it's awesome to see you so passionate about, all the other players in baseball. And it seems like that's something that's a big core of why you love this sport so much.
0: No doubt. I mean, I think that, uh, I think like there are certain guys that I think deserve the opportunity to, to find out, like to show me like, let's find out like for me, for Cody Bellinger, he needed a change of scenery. Like at least that's what, that's what we're going to give him. Right. Like he was the 2019 MVP where he struggled. Uh, last year he was not great but he was not awful um, and and I think that like he's still an extremely talented defender um, I think he deserves that shot like you deserve a chance to find out if, if you can get the MVP back mm-hmm. um, I you know I think the thing it's just it's what it's it's the whole thing with how the game is changing that's frustrating everybody right like the people that it's the, it's the strikeouts different it's Guys are getting out by striking out instead of getting out a different way. And that's really bugging people. Um, I grasp that. I understand that. Um, but it is what it is. Like, that's where we're at, right? Like, that's that's kind of what's being valued right now. the The, the home run, the background data is being valued right now. So we kind of have to own that, in my opinion.
1: I'm curious how, like, who these deals impact and how they impact. You know what I mean? So we've talked about it several times, I think not on air. The the first time you came on, I don't think we talked about this, but it, we talked about the idea of establishing precedent and, and pushing new boundaries in, in terms of contract structure. And I, I think it all started in the shortstop market with Tatis right 340 so then you had Lindor say well I want 341 and here you are with the Padres (laughs) saying well we'll give you 342 Trey yeah Um, how important is precedent
0: I I think to certain guys it's more important than others um I I think it depends on the player I really do I'll tell you though reading that the Padres offered him 340 and judge 400 and lost both of them after offering 40 million both i i 40 million more to both is is kind of mind-boggling
1: what does Um, it tell you about the padres anything
3: or honestly state taxes how much honestly
0: so so the well the the, they said they claimed the trey turner one the i i believe the reason that they made the the offer at 342 was to match post-tax offers elsewhere um I don't think it tells you as much about the Padres as it does about the two players that took the deals. That's what I'll say. Because mm-hmm. there have been guys that have taken $300 million deals in the past three years with San Diego. So, and San Diego is a place that wants to win. And like one thing that I truly believe in is that these guys that take these deals, for the most part, 98% of guys that take big deals, if you're going to be somewhere for an extended amount of time, you want to win. That's just, that's just the sheer... You've you've played to earn that right. Like somebody's gonna pay you this kind of money. Like, we I want to win at the end of this contract. Uh, and, and San Diego's showing you they want to do that. And San Diego's showing you they want to do it for 10 years, uh, just like affiliates, right? Like they're both, these aren't guys offering multiple three-year deals. These are teams offering multiple 10-year deals. Um, it's cool. I do think that like we are seeing a little bit of a shift again. Like, it does seem like a lot of these teams are, I mean, how many teams we could probably put a handful of teams that are just blanket, uh, rebuild outside of that. Like I, I would hope that in 2023 and 2024, most of the teams are starting to compete again, like trying to compete. Like I really do think, um, and I think that could possibly be why the, the reliever market is so hot is because, you know, you have so many teams that are like, Hey, like, let me get this guy right now. It's a small piece. He's not expensive, and we can build on that for the rest of the, you know, the rest of the bullpen or whatever it may be. Um, but, yeah, I, I couldn't believe that they took – that they they lost out to both of those guys. Now, my next question being – like I will say, talking about the Padres, this could have been a question. And This could – if I was Aaron Judge, a question that I'm probably asking is, if you sign me for $400 million, are you going to re-sign Juan Soto?
1: Yeah. That's the layer and, to this.
0: And, and, and almost assuredly, they're not, right? There's no way that the Padres are paying a billion dollars to four guys. So I, if they say no, so if they say no, and you're Aaron Judge or you're Trey Turner, do you look at that and say, okay, who are the teams that are going to be able to afford Juan Soto? Most likely, it's San Francisco. Like, that's that's going to be at least the the one of the top three names that you hear to get Juan Soto. Um, so like now, now when you do that, I'm going to be getting $400 million, but Juan Soto's going to be in the division, meaning somebody in that division is also going to be trying to win at the same point. Like, I don't know. I just think that adds to it. Like, I think that, you know, that could have added to it for him, like for, for Aaron judge, now that he's still in New York, he's not playing Juan Soto in the same division for 10 years. Right. Right. You know, not now he's going to have to play Adley Rushman in the same division for 10 years, but (laughs) pick your poison
3: so it, would you say just from somebody that's kind of involved At you know, i know you follow really closely as just a, a fan of the game but also you're very plugged in at a very high level and uh your experience at the big league level and just consistently playing in triple a as well and you know seeing people go through by and communicating with all the people that you do uh, which organizations do you feel like maybe don't get enough credit for doing it right you know you talk about the padres i think the Padres, we love to be hard on them, and, and I, I do think that they, they're they aggressive. They do a lot of things in an interesting way, but you, you got to like the way they're approaching it. We always talk about the Astros. We always talk about the Rays. We always talk about the Dodgers, of those teams that really have it figured out organizationally, developmentally, from top yeah. to bottom in a lot of ways. In your mind, because you, you kind of got your finger on the pulse yeah. everywhere, what's an organization that maybe doesn't get enough – attention and love for, for the way that they have things going and operating inside of like behind the scenes.
0: I think that, I think that uh, I'm going to say this team. And I think in the past, probably two or three years, they've gotten more credit. But I think if you look just over the life the last 40 years, I think the St. Louis Cardinals, what the St. Louis Cardinals have done with drafting and developing um, is really impressive. It started with arms and it's now led to this incredible group of young bats that are, are ready. And they're promoting them when they're ready. Um, I think what Anthopolis is doing in, in Atlanta is he is building an absolute monster in Atlanta. Um, but, you know, the one team that, that I gave credit to for a long time uh, was actually Oakland. I actually think for a long time, like Oakland competed for, for a really long time without spending money. And I don't love that because I do want you to spend money as a player, right? Like I'm a player first, always. <laughs> You're trying to get paid. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I want everybody else to get paid. Right. Like, uh, you know, but I I do think that, that just compete, like find a way to compete day in and day out, whether that is, whether that is, is by spending money or whether that is by spending money in the developing and the drafting and the, the Dominican academies and the, all of that, right. Like all of that comes into play. Um, obviously I, you know, I think Tampa LA the big ones, but I I've said, Oakland in the past I think that they don't get enough credit for what they did um, in the 2000s I just you know they're like I said I'm just a big fan of teams competing like what Cleveland's doing right now yeah right like Cleveland is doing and now Cleveland's spending money doing it now yeah like the next like wrinkle in this is I think that teams can do just about whatever they want to win I still feel like you have to have a $200 million player if you want to win the World Series. Yes. I just don't, there's a, I hate to say Doesn't this. Does it matter but where, like, where that player reason, plays?
3: Does it matter where that player plays?
0: No, no. And I, they, I,
3: I, go ahead. No, I was just saying, my, I guess the Guardians could technically be an exception to that because Jose Ramirez should be a $200 million yeah, player. Yeah, his valuation is over 200, right? Well, and, he,
0: well, and he's, well, I mean, in theory, you take his extension and what he had before, he's a $200 million player his two mm-hmm. extensions give him 200 million. So without question, I, I totally agree with you. And, and that's kind of where like, if you've got, so, you know, you, I believe Adley Rushman will probably be a $200 million player. Like that's a $200 million player. Um, yeah. I, Now I do think that like certain teams need, need that to be a veteran presence. Others don't. Some, yeah. some can do the younger guys. Uh, I think that like, I think that fits matter. I think that, um, that so, like, for instance, let me give you this this was this isn't this is a hot take on the 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 Phillies and Trey Turner, but I actually thought they could have gone Dansby and saved money. That is not saying that I don't think Trey Turner is a better player, I do without question. What I think is that part of Trey's value in this market, in the in the uh, whatever you want in the free in this in this market is. He's a true leadoff hitter. And I actually kind of like Schwarber leading off. I think Schwarber's done it long enough. I think he's a good enough leadoff hitter. I almost wonder if if I'm the Phillies, am I better off getting uh, Dansby for probably half and then taking $150 million and going somewhere else? Um, for the exact same reason, I think that if I'm Baltimore and I'm getting a shortstop, I'm getting Xander Bogart's. I'm getting the guy that's a proven winner, and I'm putting him at shortstop around a group of young guys. Because yes, I need this guy to succeed. I'm going to pay him a ton of money, but the reality is, I want that guy to run my clubhouse. Yeah, um, I want that guy to show these guys what it's like to win the World Series, and he can do that.
3: Um, that that's why so, I love Dansby to the Cardinals because I, you know, the Cardinals don't need that as much, right? Like they don't need a, a, a proven you know, winner right. as much because they've got a lot of vets around there. I think they just need a guy that's another puzzle piece that fits into what they already have. And, and Dansby seems to be just that uh, one other note. I wanted to just, just highlight with the Taylor's point here is we love to shit on the A's and like, and like very fair because what, what they've done as of late recently. Yes. yes but yes. the way that it's just been with the A's over the last year and a half makes it feel like they've been at the basement for like so long. But what's crazy is they won 86 games in 2021, and they won 97 games back-to-back years in 19 and 18, and of course finished 12 games over 500 in 2020. Like the last bad season they had was in 2017 when they won 75 games. So it, it is wild. Like these teams that slip a little bit, we almost just cast them away in our minds. And, you know, there's a lot of people with jobs still in Oakland as part of that front office that have been a big part of that success for the previous five years plus yeah. and are trying to get back there again. They already showed they could. Why shouldn't we doubt or why should we doubt that they could get back there again? And I'm trying to remind myself that because I, so I am very quick to be like, Oh, Oakland's going to mess up this trade. <laughs> Cause in recent moves, it seems like they have, they but, have, but I'll tell you what,
0: like in, in the past, in, in the past, they've made, I, I don't want to call them like good trades, but when, when you look at Oakland's trades, when they happen for the most part, the onlookers, the outside looks in and goes, man, like, that's a good trade for both sides. Like both sides are getting what they need. It's a good trade for baseball. And, and I think that, I think that they've been consistent with that. Um, And, you know, like, look, don't get me wrong. One thing that I do, I I don't necessarily think like tanking is the answer, but like buying into whatever approach you're going to buy into, like that's important. Um, Like anything else in life, you know, you got to go all in. So like, you know i do think that's important the pirates getting the number 1 pick that secures that what they've done the past 3 years now they're going to have two number 1 picks they're going to have you know a couple like that's that's where they're at so like in my opinion if i'm the pirates now you got to start winning now you've done your 4 years like it's time like that's what that's what you've tried to follow with what houston and chicago did um and you know like i think that those are tough things to follow like my opinion is that Theo is one of the greatest executives in sports history. Yeah. Um, and, and like even going and looking at those drafts, I remember, I remember asking somebody one time, like, or hearing uh, like, why, why are like the Cubs are taking all these bats and everybody is bashing the Cubs on their arms, right? Like everybody is saying we don't, that the Cubs cannot uh, produce arms. That was always the big thing with them, which by the way, uh, the 20, was it 2012? I think it was 2012. Their first three picks were all major league arms that got to the big leagues. So or three of the first four, sorry, three of the first four, because was t- Almora was one. They then took Paul Blackburn, Pierce Johnson, and Dwayne Underwood, who were all three major league arms. Oh. Good major league arms. Yeah. So, like, you, you, but somebody had told me the drafts were low on bats, and watch, because he's going to take all the bats, nobody's going to have any available. They're going to be able to get arms with them. And sure enough, what did they go do? They did exactly that. Now the Quintana trade didn't really work out, but you had the pieces to do it. The oldest Chapman trade. i What I'll tell you about the oldest Chapman trade in my mind is like, I, I don't care if you would have given up the entire system. The Cubs won the world series. That is what it's about. It worked. That trade yes. worked. Yes. Like I, that's just my opinion. I, I know that people hated on them for getting rid of Glaber. Um, I, it's gotten a little easier. Uh, obviously, since he didn't go back-to-back 30-plus years. Um, But I do think that, like, I I think that that's one place where he, what Theo did with those drafts and what uh, the Astros did with those drafts and taking those players, like, so rarely do you see it. Because I believe when Correa was taken 1-1, he signed under slot, and I don't even think he was the favorite player. I don't think he was projected 1-1, and you hit on that. You hit one, one with a guy that you unpaid under slot to, which is not common. That's rare. It's rare that that happens. Most guys go for best player available, pay them whatever they want. And and don't get me wrong. One, one is usually a pretty good player. Um, but I don't know. It's, it's, it's interesting um, to see, but you know, the other thing is like, when was the last time Oakland picked one? That's the thing that like, they're always winning. They're always winning. They're always in the middle of the draft. So like, these teams that are doing this, they're doing it in the middle of the draft. And you always talk about these guys being scared about draft picks, which I know teams are. But like now, Tampa's drafting in the middle of the draft every year. They're not drafting one. They're not trading away one. They're they're drafting in the middle. Like all these teams, I think that makes it more impressive. And I think that's maybe in my mind, like what helps Oakland. That makes that more impressive.
1: So I want to circle back to your point of always having a a $200 million guy on the roster. Mm -hmm. But really, I want to transition it to supplementing the guys that you develop. Because you mentioned that 2016 Cubs team. Okay, you've got a Rookie of the Year and MVP and Chris Bryan on that team. Yes, you've got okay. Anthony Rizzo, who you traded for as a guy that just had a cup of coffee in Major League Baseball at that time. And you made a lot of other small deals. Theo did, right? Working as Theo Magic to get Arietta yep. and Strove. Great. And you get a Roldis Chapman via trade. People want to ignore that John Lester made $25 million that year, that Jason Hayward made $22 million that year, that a 37-year-old John Lackey Lackey. made $16 million that year. So you always supplement. That's what we see St. Louis doing right now, right? Where we talk about, oh, just wait till Walker and Wynn and Tank Hence and even a guy (laughs) like Graceffo get up. They're loaded with top 100 guys. They've always been a factory of producing top 100 guys. And we always talk about, the homegrown talents and even now you can talk about the homegrown ha- talents right you can talk about O'Neill and Carlson and Newt Barr in the outfield you can talk about Tommy Edmond. they dropped bags for Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado they made it work who are the best supplementing teams in baseball
0: uh, that's a that's a great question I mean I think you named one right there I think you know another one I it like I it, I'm going to sound like a freaking fanboy but I just what's happening in Atlanta right now is just yeah. so crazy to me. It's fair. It, it is. It's just it, it blows my mind. Mm. Now, here's here's like the from left field but like the and the one I have always felt like obviously what the Dodgers and the Astros have done especially the Dodgers like with the developing the draft the whole thing, right? Like even listening to players say that the Dodgers treat treat you as good as any other team. I think Tampa may be the best overall organization at doing it. Um and now they're considering paying top end guys. If they do that, you're talking about a potential monster. Like if they go <laughs> and start signing guys like Freddie Freeman, if they can do that and supplement their Wander Francos, um you're talking about the potential to be a to be a contender, which they already are a contender every year. But to be, you know, I think everybody. I feel like everybody forgets about Tampa every year. It doesn't matter. Every year, you yes. every year you look at the AL because they're in the AL East. You look at the AL East. You go, okay, I got New York, I got Boston, uh, and now I got Toronto, who's 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 spending. Also, like because Tampa's not spending, let's forget about them. No, like I wouldn't do that. And like even a couple years ago, you got Charlie Morton. Like I, I just think that there's some interest I think that's the team. I don't know if they're doing it yet but I think that's the team for me that I'm looking to supplement them and and Baltimore. I think Baltimore has enough Baltimore is in a similar spot to Chicago because they have a ton of uh, major league ready bats. They have a ton of bats in the minor leagues that are still high end, high upper echelon guys. Um, They have some, they have some starters in the big leagues that are talented, right? Like Dean Kramer put together a good year. Um, they've got some guys like that. Keegan Aiken is, is thrown. Okay. I think uh, Bruce Dermott's they're fine. You got those guys. Uh, but the reality is you need arms. You need some, you need some veteran arms there. Um, I, you know, like a redone or O'Donnell fit in Baltimore is not terrible to me. Um, like if I'm, if I'm them, I don't think I would have gone for Verlander. I think the Verlander fit in New York is perfect um, because I think they just wanted to match that with Scherzer. Like, the contract-wise, right? Like, they didn't want to give DeGrom five years because in two years you're going to lose Scherzer, so what are you going to do? Not that they're not going to spend money. I think Steve Cohen's going to go get somebody else, but hey, let's get let's get these Scherzer and Verlander deals off the books and then decide what we want to do.
3: Yeah. Um, well, I was thinking about with, with the Rays, which is a really interesting side of it, is if they gave them the damn stadium, you know, we're seeing what the Texas Rangers are doing right now um, and, oh and how the stadium has been able to – you know, allow them to, to spend way more. And I know the Rangers historically have, have spent more, but, but still to see what they've done over the last two off seasons, putting them over, you know, $700 million in payroll that, that we're seeing them shell out here. Like if the Rays were able to get that stadium and, and they were able to spend some money, even just to get to half of what the Rangers are doing right now. Talk about supplementing that that organization would be they'd be right there with the I wouldn't say quite the Dodgers I think they'd be right there with the Astros in terms of how much they spend and and what they're able to build and cultivate themselves like that's one of the best organizations in baseball And, and it really shows how like you can do it without all the money but the money really is what puts you over the top. Is it possible for one of these teams that, you know, like let's say the Rays never get that stadium. Like I guess Wander's technically their $200 million player, but it it seems like let's operate under the assumption that it's status quo. They don't spend that much. Uh, They kind of continue to maneuver this way and pick their spots here and there. Uh, Can the Rays ever go over the top or if the Orioles take a Rays like approach, I think they're going to spend more. But in this scenario, like can a team really get there this way? Uh, I only see that the Royals and that's, been one of the really most recent examples you can think of a team that, you know, overachieved at a, at a lower budget.
0: And even the Royals now looking back had Eric Osmer, who's a $200 million player. So like, yeah. um I, I think
3: that. And Lorenzo Cain uh, at that point was. You know, right. And
0: player. you have Salvador Perez, who's now at 40, like, but given, I, I'm totally with you. I think like the two teams that, that you point to that like weren't big spenders that, that won, um, at least in my mind, like was the, the late, the, like these recent Giants that won and the, and the Royals, they were both like, but they had, but the Giants had Buster Posey. So like, you can't say that. I, what I'll tell you is I think you can compete. I think you can get to the world series. I, you may win one, my opinion. And as, so like, as is the opinion of baseball currently is that the playoffs are just too volatile, right? We can't determine what's going to happen. Get me to the playoffs and we'll figure it out from there. But like, We can't determine who can win the world series analytically. We can determine because the series are too short. So like, I think that those teams will have no trouble through 162 games getting there. Get me to the playoffs. The question just becomes, can you win the world series now as an organization, how important is that to you? I think that's what changes. And I think that's the mindset that shifts depending on your ownership, depending on your front office. I can tell you this right now, Chris Young in, in Texas wants to be the last person on the field on the last game of the year because it's important to him because he did it. He played, right? Like, I think that's one thing that's interesting to me is like, I'm not saying that winning the World Series doesn't matter to every GM because I'm sure it does. Every GM knows if you win the World Series, you're probably going to have a job for a really long time.
1: Unless you're James Click.
0: Yeah. Unless you're James Click. (laughs) But I do think that, like, the reality is you can also keep your job for a really long time getting to the playoffs. Because if you get to the playoffs, you're going to make your owner money. And the reality is we are a business. This is a – I work a job. It is a fun job. I love my job, but it is a job. And in the business, getting to the playoffs is going to keep that job every single year for the front office members. I just think it's almost like a tick – I don't want to say more important. I just think that, like, the guys that have played – like there being less baseball players in the front office and there being more minds, I don't think it's a bad thing by any means. Because like I've said for years, like that would, mean, that would 100% be discriminating against those people being in the front office. I want the best minds possible making these teams. And I for sure think that some of those minds never played the game. And that is perfectly fine with me. What I do think is that there's a hint, just a hint maybe, of extra edge to win game seven if you played. Yeah. It's not as it's not as cool to just get to the CS, to just get to the DS, to get to the World Series as it is to to walk away with that trophy.
1: 100 percent. Um, Two quick things to wrap up. Number one, Jared Oliva, now an L.A. Angel. We were talking uh, during the Rule 5. So Sable went fourth to Cincinnati. But I know a guy that you know really well, Jared Oliva, is uh, an L.A. Angel. So
0: in, in the in the Major League side,
1: uh, he was taken on the Major League Rule 5 draft. Yeah.
0: That is awesome. That I do not know. Well, awesome. cause they're, they're doing the minor league side today. Also, minor right? league side, taking the minor league side.
1: He was taken on the minor league side. Mm-hmm. Oh god,
0: That's- I, I was going to be shocked. Also, I don't know that. I don't. I don't really know this because G. It happened to G. Man Choi, I believe, but I don't know that you can go in the major league side if you've had major league time.
1: Oh, that makes sense.
0: I, I, I believe like this is where I don't. The Rule Five Draft is Weird, one of the man. things I don't know about it but i think i think g man Choi went in the rule five one year i don't but i was after he had got but it was before he got to the big leagues, i believe yeah okay. so anyway
3: gotcha. yeah because you would then you would have a guy rule five twice that's never happened yeah
0: it's gotcha. odd and like and and it's the same reason that like you can't be rule five if you don't have a contract so so here's like here's something like well I'll, we'll, we'll talk about this later <laughs> gotcha.
1: love it a hey, uh last thing um we're gonna start something new with you it's going to be awesome and uh i i have a hypothetical for you um if somebody throws a no hitter and nobody's there to see it did he throw a no hitter i hope so okay so uh taylor is going to be hosting a pod on the just baseball network show and go we adjusted the name it was originally going to be daddy (laughs) ball daddy ball listen (laughs) we'll, we'll walk people through this right now daddy ball is what your kid calls baseball
0: My son has never called baseball, baseball. And it's really funny because he loves the cars movie. And one of the characters in cars, uh, he calls baseball. So it's hilarious because he calls that guy baseball and then he calls daddy ball or baseball, daddy ball. So we were going to go with that, but then the connotation and
3: yeah, Yeah, I I loved, I loved the story. I was like, that's perfect. And then we start getting into the pod art of it. And I'm like, there's no way that we (laughs) can put daddy ball in this fancy font and it's going to look anything but there you go. Like very excited about this. I know we've been talking about it for a while. And um, I mean, this is like a, we're going to have you on the just baseball show plenty more through the off season, especially once, you know, once we get that podcast in full motion and everything. But I mean, as people can tell from just listening to this, and, and this is part of why we're so excited to have you on the show more and have you involved with us is your passion is, is I wouldn't say unmatched. I feel like you're the You match all of our passions and then maybe then, (laughs) and then you add it because you actually live it. So it's like, we have somebody that's met our passion and then somebody that's actually been able to do it and still is doing it at a professional level, which is a dream to be able to add to to what we're doing here. So very excited about that.
1: And the beauty is yeah. it's a player-driven podcast, right? So yeah. it's hosted by a player. Every week we're going to have a player conversation. And I feel like that was, you know, obviously we do player interviews on the Just Baseball show when they call up, but the player-to-player conversation is kind of what we felt like the Just Baseball Network was missing, and we're really happy to have that.
0: Yeah, for sure. I, I, I'm i really excited to add to it. You know, like I, I tell people all the time, I, it's so wild this is happening. Like, I just randomly – started listening to your guys podcast i don't even i might have seen it on tiktok i don't remember why but um and i just really felt like you guys had good takes and i think that adding this section to that like i'm proud to be a part of this because of 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 the way that you guys carry yourselves and the things that you guys talk about and the way that you guys talk about players because one of the things that you know i want to add to this is like i want to be uh you know relative not not relatively unbiased right like we're going to give our opinions but like without question you guys for sure play devil's advocate to each other and that's important like we want the i want the truth i want that and i, I think we're going to get that And i think it's going to be a lot of fun um to, to hear kind of all of our conversations
1: man taylor davis we can say it now talk soon
0: yeah absolutely